for those of you who are Drag Race fans um, and love Jimbo, the drag queen, the drag clown, um, this monster looks like one of Jimbo's characters, which is the baloney uh, <laughs> monster that she created. It's really funny. I was like, oh, it looks exactly with the white eyes and the or black eyes and the white kind of whole body thing. Anywho. Jimbo, the drag clown. That sounds incredible. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide, Disco Citizens, the podcast where gore hounds and best friends, Terry Gamble and Julia Marchesi, break down a different horror movie each week, exploring a multitude of genres, sub-genres, and sub-sub-genres, classic and cult, international and underground flicks alike, determining which films are the goriest, and offering up Horror Movie Survival Guide tips to, to help, help you, you stay alive. Hello, everyone listening, our lovely Disco Citizens. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. I am Julia. I am here with my co-host, Terry. Terry. Hi, guys. Yay. Uh, Julia. Hello. Uh, this week, we are talking about 2016, Before I Wake. The tagline for this movie, I mean, the title of this episode is Waking Dream, and tagline for this movie is Fear Your Dreams. This was written by Jeff Howard and Mike Flanagan. Uh, as you know, we are big Mike Flanagan film uh, nerds here at the podcast, and we are doing a small round of the ones that his horror films that we have not covered. So this is one of those. We're completing this, the 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 list as Julia I know loves loves a list. We have a great list here. Uh, we got the Flanagan list done now as far as the horror uh, movies uh, that we're finishing up with this round. So I'm very excited to tackle into these or dive into these or sleep into these or wake into these. Um, <laughs> This series of films. Very cool. And I'm excited because I didn't know anything about this film. So I was uh, always a, a great way to go in is to have a blank slate and be completely delighted by whatever happens. So we open on a tearful dad uh, played by your friend of mine, uh, Dash Mihawk, who he is always, a friend of mine. I've known him for years and years. He? Yeah. See, I was just being silly, but no, you actually know him. Oh, yeah. I, he's very nice. He looks like I met him when guy. I was like 25 years old and we have some mutual friends like in. Yeah, he's great. He's a very cool guy and um, an amazing actor. I think we fell in love with him because of Romeo and Juliet yeah. uh, with the Leonardo DiCaprio version. And he has an amazing standoff with John Leguizamo that is just iconic. Um where the feud, they're the feuding cousins. Do you bite your thumb at me, sir? Oh, no, I do not bite my thumb at you, sir. And like, it's just so good. And Dash is an amazing, amazing, amazing actor. And um, yeah, just a cool dude. And interesting thing about him, too, is he actually has um, Tourette's. And so wow. when you're talking with him in real life, he has Tourette's. But when he's acting, it just like melts away. It is wild. And so he really seems to melt into every character he really does. And it's like the wildest thing I've ever seen. And it's so fucking huh. cool. Wow, yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. Mm -hmm. uh, so we open with him. He is uh, tearfully about to shoot a child in a bed. And that's how you open the movie. You go, okay. See, this is, we know in horror movies, if you kill a kid or a dog, you've gone hard. Like people, because people expect those those characters to live. And then you, you turn their back on and you go, okay, anything can happen now. It's about to be hardcore. And I know there's some fans that would not love that, but this is, a, that's a Flanagan. And Flanagan... I think I don't think I've ever seen him go easy. No, any, that's what I like about any him. movie. He's a, he's a hardcore motherfucker, like for sure. Like he's 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 awesome, but he also seems so nice. Yeah, which also kind of fits in like the people who make the most batshit movies that are very very intense 
happen to be a lot of the nicest people because we have been working our stuff out for our lives and here we are. Yeah, yes. it's a kind of catharsis, right? So he, yeah. he's about to shoot the kid, uh, but he can't do it. Uh, and then we flash to Annabeth Gish, who I didn't know was in this movie. I'm like, fuck yeah, Annabeth I Gish. I was like, this, it was just like hit after hit. I was like, dash. Then I was like, Annabeth. I mean, literally screaming at the TV because I know we both love her. I think probably like undoubtedly she was like from my childhood goodness. Like Shag yeah. is one of my favorite movies of all time yeah. back in the day. Uh, Robin Spikehorn who wrote it. I love her. I've like followed her so hard on Twitter. Like we became mutuals, like met her back in the day. Like I'm a hardcore fan of that. And Annabeth is delightful. Why do we not know how to shag? This is a question. We need to learn. I think, I think we can shag, but not shag dance. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a whole other conversation. Um, So uh, they, she is Natalie, a a social worker who is talking to our, our couple, Jesse and Mark played by Kate Bosworth and Thomas Jane. And it's saying that this is a little boy who was his mom died when he was three. The second couple abandoned him and left him live, living alone for a month in house. Yeah. So he's had a rough go of it, this little foster boy, but he is gorgeous, played by the lovely little Jacob Tremblay. So you, your heart beats for this little child. He has the most open eyes and face. And I get um, he's the star of Room uh, with Brie Larson as well. So, you know, this kid can act like he's really good. Um, And there's something about him that makes you just want to take care of him. But he also seems brilliant at the same time. So he's that kid. You're just like, you are not new here. You seem like a very old soul, young man trapped in a child's body. Um, And he's but you get that because he has seen some things right Um, through his short little life. Um, But uh, but Natalie does say that he is after everything he's been through. He hasn't let it turn into a victim. So. This is something we learned about this. So we also learned that Jesse is going to a support group, a grief support group, that she had uh, lost her little boy and her husband, Mark, has stopped coming. So it's something that's become kind of a block between them. And they're asking, are you ready to be a mom again? Because this is still kind of an open wound. Um, We have seen her look into the bathtub of some sort of trauma. We don't know what's happening yet. Uh, And they've decided, yeah, this is, she says that the group is the only time that she feels awake. Yeah. So she's been going through life kind of in insomnia. And this is where we also get a little bit about insomnia itself, too, um, as we're you know talking in this grief group. Um, and the movie was also known as Somnia and some, I think, some other territories and stuff like that, too, because Somnia basically means to be awake. Right. Um, where insomnia is where like I can't uh, or insomnia is I'm awake and insomnia is asleep. Um, so this whole movie plays with dreams and kind of Reminds me a little of Dr. Sleepy. I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> little, little, maybe, maybe precursors and, and themes. Um, but they meet little, the little gentleman, Cody, played by Jacob Tremblay. And I call him little gentleman because he puts out his little hand when mm-hmm. he meets the parents and like, says, nice to meet you. Like, he's just adorable. Like, I was just like, oh, no. The manners on this kid, right? He's like charming you straight out the box. Takes off his and- shoes in the house. Like, don't want to track dirt in the house. Going to take off my shoes. He's so formal. And I guess if you're someone who's a foster kid, like that's kind of you have to go forward and, and put on your best face for the next one and let them know that you're a civilized kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, and then um, Mark, you can tell, is kind of reliving a little bit of what he had maybe with their child before talking about how he likes to play video games. He just wants his little buddy again, you know, to like hang out and play with. Um, and so, um, you know, he's also they show him his room and 
They're like, I don't know if you'll like it. We can change it to whatever you like. But strangely, they have already uh, spirited in one of his favorite things on the curtains. The curtains are butterflies. butterflies. This is going to be a motif for the whole movie. This is Cody's favorite thing. He has a butterfly book that he's obsessed with. And he also has a box full of uh, caffeine pills because uh, he says he doesn't like to sleep. And you're like, you're like eight years old kid like that's intense where you're like all right let's fucking get some no-dos and go on on you know and of course this you know when when i think of horror movies i think of dreams and i think of sleeping pill or caffeine pills i think of nightmare on elm street of course and like the brilliance of that movie and this movie is it allows you to flow in and out of those states and not tell the audience where we are and if this is a dream or it is not a dream uh, which i think is really cool because you can't always tell, right? You can't always tell what's really real. And that's, I think, the issue of being an insomniac sometimes, too, where you also, um, they have a big theme of Ambien throughout the movie a lot, too. And I know Ambien is specifically noted for having people having very strange, lucid dreams while they're kind of awake. Uh, and these, like, twilighty kind of the weird sleep um, yeah, that can happen like, on that particular pill. Because it's a hypnotic. Mm-hmm. So it's not really putting you out it is but in a very strange way um i've never done that there's always a part of me that's like i want to take an idea and stay awake and see what happens but then i hear not very good things happen um so i want it <laughs> cody is uh, afraid of the canker man and he said uh when he comes when i sleep and he eats people and he ate my mom so we always have a horror movie survivor guide tip to always listen to the kid even when it seems unlikely the kid is telling you the truth if we're in a horror movie He's telling you some semblance of the truth as he knows it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what he's actually doing. But um, he does tell her, there's a guy who comes in my sleep and eats people. He tells mm-hmm. her straight off the bat. And he like, that's what we come to learn in this movie. And like, no, he's not kidding. He's telling yeah. the truth. And she's like, and, and you know, Jesse, the mom, Kate Bosworth here, beautiful still. She looks exactly the same. Like we got to see her last year when we were in Oceanside at the International Film Festival for Blue Crush mm-hmm. anniversary. She looks exactly the same as she did 20 years ago. It's wild. Um, but she... Um, you know, tries to assure him, like like any mom would, like monsters are not real. You know, like those are just you know things that happen in your dreams, and you're gonna be okay. Like this is like a, a safe place you're in now, even though it doesn't feel really safe for her because she's already still having those weird visions of seeing like her former child, you know, throughout the house in different ways that she's had before he even showed up to the house. So it wasn't fully new when he comes to the house that she starts again having even more vivid kind of visions of her son. And they had taken down almost all of the pictures of the son they had all over the house, except for there's the one, it's a three and like a portrait. Um, right. And I kept looking in that picture and was like, I don't think that's Thomas Jane in that picture. He looks so different. Like, I know they have his hair different, but it looks like a different person. I know it's him. Hair um, can change change your face, which is wild. I know. I As, as a chameleon, people are sometimes are. like, is that you, Terry? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's me. Hi. Just different hair today. Um But yeah, you never know which Terry you're going to get, but it's always going to be a good one. You never know. But uh, mom and pa are hanging out in their living room one night. uh, And all of a sudden, some little butterflies appear um, and throughout the house and all over. And one lands on on mom's hand and it bites her. Mm -hmm. But it's a a very magical looking moment. I think all of these moments in the film of, of the beauty of it is very well done and very lovely. Uh, But then they all disappear. So this is the already like first night in and already we're getting some, some activity. So it but you really... also see something in the background, like in one of the shots too, like down the hallway, I was like, oh, there's a figure. It looks like a ghost. It also looks a lot like for those of you who are drag race fans um, and love Jimbo, the drag queen, the drag clown, um, 
this monster looks like one of Jimbo's characters, which is the baloney uh, <laughs> monster that she created. It's really funny. I was like, oh, it looks exactly with the white eyes and the or black eyes and the white kind of whole body thing. Anywho. Jimbo, the drag clown. That sounds incredible. I'm sorry. I, don't, I, didn't, I, I, I would. Um, she has a baloney so, ghost character that you would be obsessed with. And baloney be, ghost. Because it looks exactly like this canker, the canker man here. <laughs> Uh, so Jesse, Jesse keeps saying so she's seeing her dead son, especially at night. She has this you know, very bad insomnia problem. Um, and while she went, goes back to her, her support group, they're not buying that she's seeing the son, right? She, so she said, oh, well, uh, it's just, you know, you're, you're having a waking dream where your subconscious is having a conversation with yourself and everyone you see in the dream is actually you. Um, he says you can REM sleep while you're awake, which I didn't know. That sounds like it would be terrifying. I think there's a lot of people that that happens to also like sleepwalking and all that kind of stuff where it's like you're kind of like that waking thing or like sleep paralysis. There's like so many weird things with sleep, right, that could happen. And And we know so little about about any of it. Oh, so many sleep tests and things like that. So um, so they said, tell her, yeah, you're basically having a waking dream and that's you're going to be okay. Um, And also that everyone who's in that grief group has had visions where they feel like they've seen their child. She's like, I know we've all had that. But this feels different. She's trying to let them know, like, no, 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 I get it. Because she kind of, we saw that from her before this, before the child showed up to their house. And now it's a little different. Yeah. So we have another uh, butterfly incident at night. And then Sean is standing there. So he's actually tangible. So you can touch him. She can, but he disappears suddenly. Uh, Cody comes down and says he's sorry and then goes to grab a soda. And they're like, back up to bed. Not going to go to sleep. This poor kid. He really... It functions incredibly well for a kid who sleeps almost not, not at all. Yeah. And um, he does ask about Sean, too. Like, Cody finally is like, hey, like, tell me more about him. And they're like, oh, he's in heaven with your mom, where your mom is. And he's like, oh, OK. And he confides that he doesn't remember much about his mother either because she passed away when he was three years old. Um, and then, you know, we get more butterflies and all that stuff. And Cody's, you know, apologizing. You get that he... Um, he feels really bad about it, but also Jesse gets a little gleam in her eye and it's like, he keeps, he's, he's the key. He's bringing my son back every night and I want to see him again. So she decides she's going to start showing him some like Christmas videos from back in the day and acquaint him even more with visions of Sean so that he can conjure them because she realizes the outfit that he keeps bringing up is like the one of him from the picture that he sees in the living room. Right. So this is something that Mark is seeing this thing and is like, hey, this isn't cool to use this kid like that. Like these are power. We don't know what these powers are, but you shouldn't be doing this because it's not fair to him. And um, also that this is not our son, that thing that you're excited to see. Right. It's like that thing where you're like, this is a ghost or this is a zombie. This is not, you know, your actual kid anymore. This is something different. Mm-hmm. So they have a dream of, of that night of, of that video, the Christmas tree, uh, the butterflies light up and then uh, it starts out friendly. And then the, the butterflies form into the monster and so things are are already starting to so he just gets pulled back into nightmares you know almost constantly um so when he goes into school he starts a catholic school and he's heading up with one of his butterflies in the jar probably for show tell very excited and And the girl he likes waves to him and he's like oh she's the sweet little angel girl and she's all nice to him but then there's a bully always a fucking bully uh smashes his butterfly jar and cody shoves him immediately i was like yeah fight back yeah bully boy tate take that so bully boy tate gets knocked down um but so tate now is going to have it out for cody of course 
But Cody, of course, because he doesn't sleep very much at night, is very sleepy in class because they're going over times tables. Ugh. So as they're going over times tables, as a daughter of a math teacher <laughs> or two, okay. sure. I they, had to they, do these a lot. <laughs> they, uh, at my school, they bribed us with ice cream party at the end. So the more times tables you knew, like the more ice cream you got, that was how it worked. Yeah, we did not have that. Um, I went to a little private school at that time when I was doing this, and that was not an option. And my mom, also being the math teacher that she was, I definitely got drilled on these at home. So, okay. um, yeah, fond so memories teacher... of the times table. <laughs> Yay! Um, so, um, Cody, you know, is, is she can see he's struggling. The teacher can see he's struggling in class, trying to stay awake. Um, and he also does not want to go outside because the bully is literally standing in the hallway, staring him down from the classroom. The teacher kind of sees this and goes, you know what? If you want to stay in the classroom, just take a little rest. Like, I'll be back. Um, and she turns off the light for him and leaves him in the room. But bully boy Tate is literally right outside the door. So he's going to hop in there. And uh, Cody falls asleep and uh, the bully sees the canker man. He is real and he gets shomped. The little girl, Clara, sees it uh, and screams. And so now she's an accomplice. She's a witness uh, that they just say that he ran away. And uh, Cody really wants to get away from school. And she's like, yeah, uh, some kid ran away. It's fine. There's cops, but whatever. Let's go. As he gets picked up. Yeah. from By his parents. And he's just, mm -hmm. they're just like, uh, okay, kid. Um, in the meantime, though, um, they've, you know, uh, Jesse's talked to a doctor about what's happening with Cody and how he's dreaming while he's awake. And, um, you know, maybe that's, uh, she, they talk about he needs to re more rest. And so she gets finagles some pediatric Ambien for the kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and so this is something that she's going, she, she's going to drug him now. He wouldn't take it if she told him, right? Like this, no. there's no way for her to get around it unless she tells him it's something else. And like she slips it and says it's a caffeine pill or something, but you're kind of lying to the kid either way. Um, yeah. So she, because well, he's the only one who really knows the ramifications of his sleep, you know, and what that really means. So, uh, but they've already seen a little bit of the dark side of it, right? They've already seen some of the monster kind of visions, yeah, but um, they don't know about the disappearing portion. Yes, <laughs> that's very true. Uh, so uh, he, they, he's, I like to point out that they're drinking that Cafe Dumont chicory coffee right on for that. And that Cody's been sealing it to drink up, drink at night to keep himself awake. Um, and then there is a dream where he starts saying like, I'm awake. This can't be happening where it's a waking dream where uh, the, the Sean is in the room and uh, the bully grabs him and puts him under the bed. And so it turns into this whole madness. And so then we, Give, she's like, okay, well, I guess there's nothing left but to drink the milk. So she drugs him um, and finds out, we find out that, that they couldn't have any more kids after Sean, which is why they have adopted him. Um, and when the effects of drugging him are going to turn out to be a terrible idea. Yeah, when it's a kid who needs to be able to be woken up very readily and you give him a sleeping pill and now he's like doing that weird twilight ambient sleep, probably not the best thing going to happen for them. And I don't know the, what else you would do, though, right? You want to see you if you don't understand what he's dealing with, you would really want to because sleep to deprivation sleep. Yeah, yeah, is, you know, and, and it's impressive because in Nightmare on Elm Street, Nancy, we only have we see her for seven days. And yeah. like, this is all we but like, he's been doing this for years, like for his years. entire life. Yeah, ostensibly for years. And he also, because um, his mom, we find it, you know, too, like, you know, kind of knew about all this stuff, too. So there's there's some sort of element where like, you know, um, 
he knows that his sleep has some sort of power. And so he's been contending with it his whole little life. And it can stunt your growth. It can stunt everything. So you can tell he's probably, it's probably why he's struggling all the time. And like also why he's tries so hard to overcorrect himself all the time too. Um, Cause he's trying to absolve himself for the things that he's done as well. And he just, you can see he has this tremendous guilt for like a little person. It's really, really sad. Um, but it's going to go real bad real quick because they're going to have, an, he's going to have another freaking nightmare and he's going to take out Mark in this one. Yeah, he and, and it's a really beautiful effect where the Cankerman just absorbs Mark into him, and now he's just a part of him. So he's not like eating through mouth, just kind of eating as whole body. He, they just kind of like become one. It's like they fall in, into the fog, essentially, right of of the body. So mm-hmm. um, poor Mark. But I do, I do love when you get a big name in the movie, and halfway through, you're like, "Fuck off, they're dead now." And you go, "Cool." It's freaking great. Like, it's yeah. like, yeah, he's, and he's wonderful. Um, and uh, so, um, you know, people are going to have some questions after something like that happens. Um, and there's, there were questions about the lost boy at school. There's some questions from the police about things, strange things that are happening. And so um, because there's a history of people disappearing around this child, um, you know, we're going to get a little bit further into looking at that case file with Natalie, our Annabeth Gish. Um, So Jesse's doing some sleuthing now. And now we're in the um, research, uh, deeper research section. Like that should have happened before you picked up this kid. (laughs) Yeah. Where, where is our, we need our uh, reading the newspaper on our microfiche machine. I always, I was always hoping for that. But we do get, uh, she does steal, Cody's taken away from her and she steals his file off of Natalie's desk. So she can now do her own sleuthing. And she goes to see uh, Whelan, who is our friend Dash to see what's going on. And he's so, lucid like he just seems like a dude who is accidentally stuck in a mental institution but he's just has some like horrible guilt and remorse and grief going on well yeah because he's understands it and it's one of those things too again where like if you're in the horror movie and you sound like the the crazy larry uh people do not believe you and so when um jesse comes to talk to him he blows her off kind of at the beginning and it's just like well if you start saying things like that if you're talking to me about these dreams and nightmares or whatever like people are going to lock you up too and put you on fit you for some slippers and put you in here with me and um she uh, you know uh, sees his you know punches his bluff basically and she's like no 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 i'm here to talk about what you think i'm here to talk about let's go mm-hmm. and he does and, and says that you know he took his wife uh, it took his wife away and he blames himself for all the deaths and wishes that he had killed him when he had the chance and that she should do the same because it's just going to lead to more death. And you don't know how many and you don't know who. Obviously, your, your husband's already been taken away. It's only a matter of time before it's you and then just like on and on and on. Um, and it's a logical standpoint, right? And I'm sure like, as, you know, as we saw in the beginning where he's trying to shoot him, like he knows he should do it from a logical standpoint, but looking at this little kid and actually pulling the trigger is a whole different ball of wax, right? So he's like, I couldn't do it, but maybe you can. Uh, he, he, she doesn't, she walks away, not, not having Yeah, that. so she's not having it. She's like, no, there's got to be another way. You can tell she's very determined and looking for another solution. She's like, there's got to be another way. Um, but in the meantime, the child has been, you know, put away, taken away to this like orphanage with all these other kids and this kid around all these other kids, probably not going to be the best thing because when he sees all of these kids all the time and all the things that he can do with his mind, not going to go well, kids. Not no, gonna go well. and he's, he's screaming that he doesn't want to hurt anybody and they inject him to make him sleep. So Natalie is there to stay the night with them. 
uh, Jess ends up going to the hospital and finds the mom's file and personal effects, including a blue butterfly stuffed animal that might come into play later. Uh, and then Jess goes to the orphanage and Natalie is inside a chrysalis. That's such a good word. Chrysalis. We love a chrysalis. Mm, the chrysalis. So she's having, mm-hmm. she's still having visions now. We have a vision of her seeing Sean in, the, in a, a bloody bathtub uh, where she just walks away because she realizes she has to leave that behind if she wants to go forward with Cody. Yep. So it's, I think uh, this is really interesting too. I think for both of them of that, they both have to get rid of their guilt, you know, in a way of like their past of what's happened because you can't change, you know, the things, the accidents that have happened that were beyond your control. Right. And so, um, she has to find a way in to go help him. Right. And so Mm -hmm. this is one of the ways that they can connect, um, is dealing with their grief. Um, and so, I mean, besides the chrysalis, all the kids are like, you know, the, the, the orphanage crawling with vines and like all these different like butterfly creepy things. And they all mm-hmm. look like they're just like um, going to die. And like as they're being crushed in this world of his that he's created with his mind um, with his dreaming life. Yes. Uh, and there's a, a lot of good gaping eye holes we got going on. Uh, Cody's and Jess's and, and Mark's. Um, and we finally find Cody's room. Uh, the canker man is there and she orders, offers it the blue butterfly from Cody's mom's box and hugs it. And then it turns into Cody disappears. And I really like it because I was trying to think of it. There's very, very few horror movies. Like I'm going to kill the monster with love. Like that's how you kill it. And it's like, that's sweet. And it's, a, it's unusual. And in a movie that with, there is, you know, about, motherhood and, and accepting someone for their flaws. And like, I think that's a really lovely ju- uh, way to do this. I like that. Absolutely. And the fact that she didn't give up on him because once the whole thing too was like, we spend the whole movie trying to understand as well, right. Trying to get a better understanding of like what exactly it is. And so she, you know, lets Cody know like, Hey, like what happened basically is your mom, it's not canker. They, she shows him the file and it's like, it was cancer. Your little baby brain heard canker as the word versus cancer and you morphed it eventually, but it was like, your, that was your mom um, who was dying of cancer, who was the emaciated, you know, she didn't, she lost her hair and all that stuff like that. She looked very different. And the thing that um, the can- the canker man had kept saying is that he'll always be with with him. And so that was one of mom's last words to him was that I'll always be with you. Um, and so her voice was probably rattling from, you know, the, the, all the um, treatments that she had gotten. And so that's what he had been hearing. So his amalgamation of what he had made in his brain was actually um, his loving mother, um, you know, trying to leave some parting words for him. Yeah, so it, it turned this, you know, traumatic moment in his head into a monster and uh, is now, and I would like to point out that uh, the mom was played by Andrea, I mean, who played, the character's name is Andrea, her name is Courtney Bell. She is in other Mike Flanagan movies, including uh, Absentia mm-hmm. and uh, Oculus, so I always get excited. Oh, she's go, a oh. favorite. Sure. And I love that when that happens, right? When you have somebody that you want to work with and that also um, is your uh, partner. I also so, love that. Can I also talk about the bench by the water motif that is going to be in every single Mike Flanagan that we cover, I think, oh, right yeah. now? Uh, he- as a heads up, kids, uh, the bench by the water is is, is, a, is a recurring theme, I think, with uh, with the Flanagan as well. Um, it love also it. happens love- in Doctor Sleep. Um, so yeah, they're sitting by the does. water. Mm-hmm. Um, sitting by the water, um, as you know, so they're talking about the the journal and the whole thing too. So, um, she gives Cody basically a new narrative for him to dream. 
um, yeah. of like all these beautiful things, like of everybody being restored and all that stuff too. So, yeah. So she says she's going to take them home and she says, you have an amazing gift and who knows what will happen as it grows. So now that you've gotten rid of this fear and maybe this will become a beautiful gift instead of a scary one. So everything turns out okay. And I like that, that it, it love conquers it all and is able to save everybody from death. I'm sorry to those people who had to die, but now we fixed the problem. Now we know how to save you. So sorry. So sorry we're too late, um, but beautiful. And so how do we survive this movie? You got to love people. You got to love. Thanks. That, thank you, Mike Flanagan, for that message. Is that love other people is the, the moral of this message and, and, and help them embrace their And especially and people who have gone through loss. There's something mm -hmm. about that um, isolation of loss that makes you feel like you can't connect with other people in a certain way uh, because mm -hmm. you're too scared to. So there's something about like, you know, making a new narrative so that you can continue to love and be here. Yay, love people. That's how you survive. Wipe those mm -hmm. tears away, Terry. Let's do our gore factor. One is not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two is a puddle of blood. Three is enough blood to go out the average viewer. Four is a bathtub of blood. And five is run for the bark bag. We give this a two. It isn't a very gory movie, but just because it isn't gory doesn't mean it's not excellent. And also, yeah, because a lot of the effects are just like kind of like misty uh, of, of and then butterflies and like amalgamations of like fog and dust and things like that, that it looks like as the canker man consumes people. Um, yeah, beautiful. Uh, movie ratings, Chainsaw is one if you're desperate. Two barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. Five, fantastical. Um, I give this movie a, I did not score this one yet for myself. I'm going to give this movie a four, not too shabby. I really liked it. Me as well. I think it, it was a very, I just like Mike Flanagan's style, honestly. And I feel like he's really an actor's director and pulls out great performances from everybody that he works with uh, and, and has a vision. And I, I appreciate that. I like, I like him a lot. Yeah, there's never a weak performance, I don't think, in this. Yeah, there's no weak performances at all in this. Everyone's really solid. And that little mm -hmm. Jacob Tremblay, holy goodness, I get between this and Room, like this kid. Anyway, he's amazing. I uh, more Annabeth Kish in the world, please. We need that. <laughs> we love you, Annabeth Kish. You All can day. find us if you'd like to talk to us about Annabeth Kish or Mike Flanagan or whatever you like horror movie-wise. You can find us on our social medias. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. We have Teespring if you'd like merch. We are there to talk to you as uh, our, we love our listeners and would love to hear anything you got to say to us. All right. Thank you but guys remember, so remember, to love. This is the, the moral of the week. Go out there and love, kids. Love. Uh, all you need is love. Bum, ba -da -ba -da. All you need is love. Yes, that's for Julia. I love you. Love you. Thank you for listening. Horror Movie Survival Guide is independently produced by Terry Gamble, Julia Marchesi, and Sierra Rhine. Hey, that's me. If you would like to support the show, find us on patreon.com slash horror movie survival guide.